Good morning and welcome to Fearless Mom. I am pretty pumped to wrap up this series that we've been in um, about strength and dignity, how to find it, how to keep it, and how to give it to our kids. We've seen through scripture and through just our personal experience that that's how we were created to live, to walk, to stand, to parent from a posture of strength and dignity. But we've also seen that if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, then fear and shame creeps in and takes over and begins to influence our decision making and our parenting but we are going to wrap up today with a strong last message and we believe that if we rally together then we can cheer each other on speaking of let's welcome in our online audience online moms we hope you feel the love here in Austin whether you are watching um, with a group in a church, in a home, or any other gathering space, or if you're by yourself, our prayer is that you feel the love from here. We are thrilled if you have found a group to connect with. But if you are watching by yourself, you may be by yourself now, but you are not alone. We are all in this together, and we are cheering you on from the ATX. Um, we are going to start with a word of prayer so that I can focus because when I'm really excited, not only do the words come out faster, but they get a little jumbled in my brain. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this group of moms who have committed to encourage one another, who've committed to work, to do the work, to get stronger and get better so that we can be the moms that we were created to be, to raise up the kids that you've given us. I ask right now, God, that you settle our hearts and our minds, that you open our eyes and our ears. Show us what we can learn today, what we can do to be better in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Um, these lessons on fear and shame have um, hit a little close to home for me. And uh, I just want to thank you in advance for walking in on my therapy session. Uh, last week, I felt like I shared a lot of personal stuff. I believe I will again today. Um, it's amazing when I first began to study this, I was like, oh, we're going to be able to help so many people. And I really didn't realize what was going to change in my own life. And in studying all of this about fear and shame I've become so passionate about it because it's changed my life so much first of all I have recognized that I'm a better me if that makes sense the more I recognize my shame triggers and where in my life fear creeps in and begins to hold me back and and keep me from doing things that I want to do trying new things I've seen that in my life since I've been studying it as a matter of fact this summer right after I'd begun um, reading and digging into all this stuff about shame I was with a very close friend of mine actually our kids kids were at a camp and she and I were staying with our husbands not too far from the camp and so she said to me hey let's walk on up to the camp and we'll check on all the kids see what's going on and so I said great so I go in my room to get dressed and I reached of course for the um, long floor length uh, dress sundress that I wore almost every day this summer you know you can keep cool but still cover your body up just as much as you can and so I reached for it and then I realized no you know what um, I probably need wear shorts we're gonna be walking around I don't like wearing shorts and and then I thought you know what 
it is shame that will make me self-conscious about that. And so I'm literally having this dialogue with myself in the bedroom as I pick out my clothes. Shame will keep me from living the life that I'm created to live. That's right, a lot goes on in here. And so shame will keep me. I need to wear that. Shame is a fear of rejection. Do I really think anybody is going to reject me today if I don't look like what uh, I'm supposed to look like in a pair of shorts and tennis shoes? No, I'm going to have courage. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to put on the shorts. So I put on those shorts and I I walk out there and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so brave. And so I'm walking out there. We get to the camp, keeping in mind that my friend is a former athlete, you know, like a high school athlete. She's a runner. Her legs come up to about here on me. I was celebrating her capacity. Um, I was really working hard not to compete and compare, but I knew, I'm like, this is my choice. I choose to live in shame or to live with bravery. And so we're walking up there. We get up to the camp, and they go, oh, do you guys want to try the big swing? I could think they're called the giant swing. And I said, I don't know. And because I knew they'd be taking pictures, I knew there would be video of me in my shorts. I also knew that there was a really attractive harness that one of the young men was going to have to put on me. And I'm thinking, did I shave this week? And so then, uh, and I think, you know what? It is shame that will keep me from trying something new. I will not let shame keep me from trying something new. I can choose if I'm going to be brave and strong. I want to be strong. I want to be brave for my children. I'm going to do it. And so I say, come on, let's do it. And so she goes, okay, I'll do it. And so we did video. And here's the evidence right here. Yeah, strength and dignity right there, baby. (laughs) Strength and dignity. But the truth of the matter is, I knew after that happened, I thought, oh my gosh, I would have missed out on this whole thing if I hadn't been aware of my body image shame when I put my clothes on. Does that make sense? And I thought, oh my word, I mean, I am a new woman after this. You know, when you try something new, you literally do feel like I overrode my fear and shame, and therefore I am stronger. It was amazing how empowering, at the same time embarrassing, but empowering that was to try something new and how valuable it is for our children to see us walk with strength and dignity. My children were there, and of course they saw the video, and they are well, you know, past being embarrassed by me, and they were thrilled. You know, it's amazing what we can do when we choose to override our fear and shame. I told you last week that not only am I, do I feel stronger after studying all this and becoming more self-aware, but my marriage is better, and I would have told you that, you know, my marriage doesn't need improvement. Mac and I have been married for 25 years, and we really have a great marriage, um, but But all of this study has made me much more aware of not only when I'm assuming or assigning thoughts to him, as we talked about last week, but um, also my confidence when I'm around him and how that makes him feel. And so I have a, a picture to show you from our honeymoon. That's right, our honeymoon. I'm 22 years old. I'm in a one piece with a wrap that goes down to my ankles. Because And when I saw this picture in my house, I literally got it and I put it on the back of the stack. 
because I didn't want it. I didn't even want Mac walked behind me. I found myself hiding it from him. And I thought, now that I'm aware of my shame triggers, I thought, why am I hiding that from him? It's because I'm embarrassed that, and I feel shame about that I was so insecure that I covered myself up from head to toe on our honeymoon. Bless his heart. I mean, you could pray for him. But it's, he's great and he thinks I'm fabulous. But see, just being aware now made me realize that that's why I was hiding the picture. And so I told you it was soon after I found this picture and soon after I was aware of how I was feeling that shame and how it was keeping me from walking with strength and dignity, then I went out and bought a couple of bikinis for our 25th anniversary trip. I do not have a photo of that. <laughs> but rest assured, let me just say that I probably could have packed my bikini in my wallet had I chosen to. Oh, I'm only kidding. My dad used to say stuff like that about my mom all the time. He would say, honey, did you pack your nightgown in your wallet? And we'd be like, dad, oh my gosh. I'm only kidding. Oh my gosh, look, I'm turning red just talking about it. But but seriously, it has changed my marriage just my being aware and working to walk with strength and dignity. I told you that it's changed all of my relationships. My relationship with my, my parents, my sisters, my friends, my kids, just recognizing that when I'm assuming and assigning, am I dealing with some hidden fears or shame that I've not recognized before? Um, and I've also learned um, to identify when I'm overreacting, perhaps, or um, responding with quite a bit of emotion um, when someone or I feel like someone is indicting or making an accusation about my past parenting. I think most of us as moms, we want to do the best we can. We all acknowledge that we've made mistakes. But if we're not careful, that mom fail, remember, can become mom guilt and can grow into mom shame. And when that mom guilt and mom shame comes into play, we said it, it just it, it messes everything up. It clouds our judgment when we are making decisions. I'm recognizing that and I am... Um, noticing my uh, overreactions, you know, or my emotional responses that have in the past traumatized my children, and um, I'm working on that. And I'm actually now able to help them identify that in their own lives, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but I believe sincerely, moms, that we've got to recognize that mom guilt because our mom guilt from the past can diminish our mom's strength today. And it's very important for us to recognize that and to do the work to choose, the, to make the choices to choose the path of living without that mom guilt but living in strength and dignity. After all, that was how we were created to live. In Proverbs 31, 25, she is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. You see, all these things that I've experienced as I've been studying fear and shame, I want this so badly for you. I want so badly for you and your home and your kids and your marriage and your relationships. I want you to see the freedom that God has created you to live with. All that I've experienced and the positive changes, that's why I'm so passionate about it because I want that for you. I've seen already what it's done in my life and so that's why I get very excited about it because I do believe it takes someone strong to make someone strong. I believe since 
sincerely that we can reverse the trends and we can raise up a generation of leaders and not followers. But it begins with walking with strength and dignity ourselves. And so it requires work, guys. It requires uh, digging deep and, and learning to identify those triggers and doing the work necessary to become strong moms. And we're talking about strength and dignity as opposed to fear and shame. You were not created to walk around carrying fear and shame. You are created to walk with strength and dignity. And that's important for us to embrace and to parent from that posture. I, uh, I told y'all last week that one of the definitions of dignity actually was about, it said walking as one who is worthy of respect or honor. Strength and dignity, it's not just choices. It's not just a mindset. If you can picture it, it is literally a posture. And I can tell how my children respond to me, how my husband responds to me when I have a posture of strength and dignity. So that's one step towards self-awareness. We're going to get to that in a minute. But recognizing your posture. Because when I'm confident about what I'm doing, then I'm walking with a posture of strength and dignity. Now, do I always do it well? Do I always do it correctly? No, but I never quit trying. And that's the key there. Um, we talked about last week the spectrum of mom guilt and shame. And since I've recognized that, since I've been aware of that, even this week after we spoke on it last week, I know that it's my choice where I live on this spectrum. I am going to make some mom fails, but it's my choice if I allow that to linger in my mind and heart and become mom guilt, it's my choice if I allow it to take up residence in my mind and heart and become my mom shame. That's my choice. And so when it's your choice, you take responsibility to eliminate shame and you recognize it and you think, I did make a mistake, but that doesn't mean I'm a failure. Remember we said the difference between guilt and shame, guilt... Um, is I, you know, did something bad and shame is I'm a bad mom. And so we've got to recognize where we're falling on that spectrum and take responsibility and get back to, yes, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to manage that tension between embracing responsibility and eliminating shame. It's work, but it's so, so, so worth it. Um, shame is the feeling or belief that you are not worthy of love or acceptance. That's what I kept telling myself. Shame is the fear of rejection. I choose if I let shame make my decisions. I choose if I live in shame or if I live with courage. It's my choice. Shame is the feeling or belief that you are not worthy of love or acceptance. It is the fear of rejection. And it's important that we remind ourselves you've already been deemed worthy. John 3.16 says, Because God loved you, for God so loved the world, because God loved you, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not die but would have everlasting life. If you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for you. You are worthy of love and acceptance. That has already been determined. Now it's your choice 
to believe that, to parent out of that, to be a wife out of that, to live your friendships out of that. The truth is you are worthy, but it's up to you to accept that truth and to live out of that. Um, If we're designed to walk with strength and dignity, anytime we are walking outside of that, there will be discomfort and dis-ease. And so when I am, that, I think that's one, one of the most important things I've learned is how to identify what that feels like when I'm walking in discomfort or disease. Sometimes, um, you know, discomfort is okay. It's a new situation. It's a new feeling. That's okay. But you know what I'm talking about. When that discomfort settles in and I feel less than everybody else in the room, or I feel less of a mom, or I feel, again, we're going into that mom guilt and mom shame, that I'm a bad mom, that I'm a bad wife. Understanding what that feels like and being able to identify that within yourself will help you move past that. And we're going to get into that a little bit today because I think it's so important. We did a whole series last year about emotions and helping our children identify, process, express, and overcome emotions. And I think it's important as we learn to identify our own emotions that we learn how to use emotional vocabulary with our children because maybe you grew up in a home where emotions were not okay to express where certain things were not okay to feel what we want to do one reason we are working so hard to eliminate fear and shame and to develop strength and dignity is because as moms we're the culture keepers of the home and I want a home in which any emotion is okay to feel I want a home in which any emotion is okay to feel. How you express it, how you process it is important, but any emotion is okay to feel. So to get there, I have to be able to identify that myself. And that's what we're going to talk about today is developing that shame resilience. I told you that the studies are showing that this generation of young people are not emotionally resilient. They They do not have emotional strength. They cannot come back from everyday hits and hurts, disappointments. And so what we want to do to equip our children to be able to to come back from everyday hits and hurts and disappointments is we want to learn how to do that ourselves, evaluate, see if we can do it ourselves, and then also equip them to do it. One of the ways we're going to do that is to develop shame resilience. Understand when you're feeling that way and know how to fight it, know how to fight through it. And that's what we're going to do. It requires courage. The definition of courage, the original definition I love so much. It's actually, I think, pretty far from what we would describe as courage right now. The original definition says, to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. To speak one's mind, it's being honest and authentic. To speak one's mind by telling all of one's heart. I can probably count on my hand the number of real, authentic people. That doesn't mean you share everything with everyone. But you know those women, they walk with the confidence and they are at ease with themselves. They have a courage about them. And that's what we want for our children. And if you're going to dig deep, if you're going to develop shame resilience, you're going to have to be willing to go to some places in your heart that you may have ignored for a while. 
but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It will not just change you, it will change every relationship in your life, and therefore it will greatly impact your children. Being willing to develop this courage. Um, courage and speaking your mind, it doesn't sound like something that is heroic. We usually associate courage with heroism, you know, with someone who's done something great. But if you look at it, it takes great courage to be honest and to go to those dark places and to speak out to someone to, to get rid of the shame. And so we are willing as moms to dig deep to find the courage and to speak about our shame. Why? Because we know that shame cannot live in the light. We know that as soon as we bring it out into the open, that shame has no more power over us. We know that shame actually grows in the dark. And so we are willing, whether it is for yourself, for your marriage, for your children, whatever is going to drive you to make these awarenesses in your life, whatever is going to drive you to make these changes, I'm telling you, it is worth digging deep and finding the courage. So turn to your neighbor and say, keep dignity. Keep dignity. We're not just going to find it. We want to walk around with it every day. And it's something that you have to be strategic to keep. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I said keep your dignity. Keep your dignity. What's the first thing we need to do? Develop self-awareness. Develop self-awareness. Self-awareness, um, the older I get and the more I study, I realize the critical nature of learning how to be self-aware. And I'm not talking about just knowing yourself and knowing how you operate. I'm talking about looking at yourself with a critical awareness. Looking at not just how you behave, but why you behave that way. When I said I overreacted, when Emily, last week I told a story about Emily um, saying something about my cooking and I overreacted, my self-awareness said, hmm, perhaps I was a little dramatic about that. And then I had to take another step now, look at it critically, not criticizing, but critically. Look at it critically and say, why did I overreact? Okay, the root of that is because maybe I'm feeling some shame about that. Okay, now I can move on. I, did, I wasn't the greatest uh, cook in the world. That's okay. I have other redeeming qualities. I'm going to balance you know, that tension between um, taking responsibility and eliminating shame, and now I can be better tomorrow. You see how I had to look at that with critical awareness, learning to be self-aware. Now, this is something we can teach our kids, and this is something I believe is necessary we teach our kids, and we start pretty young. We all know adults who are not self-aware. Sometimes we just say that's their personality type or that's just the way they're wired. When in reality, everybody can learn it. So if I know everybody can learn it, if I know that self-awareness um, helps with shame resilience, if I know I want emotionally strong children, then I'm going to be intentional about teaching my children how to be self-aware. So something like this. Like we said earlier, if your child comes home from school, and says, you know, I had a horrible day, I hate all my friends, all my teachers hate me. And, and we tend to want to say, oh, you are so dramatic. Um, but what we want to do is say, why do you think so? Remember we said don't tell them what to think, teach them how to think. And so we'll help them get there on their own. Asking questions helps them look at the situation critically. Why do you think that happened? Why do you think she said that? Looking at situations critically, we can start this very young. I'm not going to suggest that you do it in the middle of a tantrum. 
Why are you doing that? Yeah, that's not helpful or productive for anyone. Trust me, I tried it. It did not work. Um, but, but you want to go back later and say, you know what? I saw that that really upset you. And so how are you feeling about that? So I get her to see her feelings. Now I say, okay, I get, remember, any emotions okay to feel? I get that you were angry. So now, what's a better way to handle it? So I'm helping her be self-aware. I'm validating that emotion, but I'm teaching responsibility for the behavior. And so if you want to, we did a lot on that last year. I actually love that topic. I think it's so important because I think um, this generation is uh, not being taught to take responsibility for their behaviors and their actions. And I said, I told y'all that, that our shirt, the first year was She Laughs, this year Strength and Dignity, next year is Your Actions Affect Others. And because I think this, I think there's great value in taking responsibility and being self-aware. The more self-aware you are, the more you'll be aware of others. And that is critical because we are all created to live in relationship. And so just in the home, think about it. If you are aware of your own feelings and how they affect other, how your behaviors affect others. So develop self-awareness. Why you overreacted. Why, why do I continue seeking unhealthy relationships? Why do I always comfort myself with food? I'm self-aware and then I'm looking at it critically because I'm saying I'm not making healthy decisions towards strength and dignity. I'm looking at why and I'm teaching my children to look at why. Second, practice kindness and grace this begins with practicing kindness and grace with yourself don't beat yourself up over every mistake we always try I'm trying to be the best mom I can be I'm trying to be the best wife I can be I'm trying to be the best friend I can be I'm going to make mistakes I can roll around in the mistakes I can wallow in the wah wah or I can jump up and I can keep going okay and so what we need to do again that's just managing that tension between accepting responsibility embracing responsibility and um, eliminating shame and so practicing kind and grace starts with your you choose guys you choose where you fall on the spectrum of mom fail to mom shame that is your choice you have to control the thoughts take responsibility for the thoughts that are in your mind if you need to talk to a counselor if you need to talk to a mentor if you need to talk to a friend take responsibility and say I feel myself living in mom guilt and mom shame and I know it's keeping me from parenting effectively take responsibility and do what needs to be done um, now when it talks about <laughs> when we talk about uh, extending kindness and grace to others when we talk about friendships and relationships when someone chooses to speak to you to share with you a struggle a hurt an area of shame an area of fear now I have the power in my hand here to increase her shame or to decrease her shame the way I respond is so important also when you're looking for that person that you trust that you're gonna share about your shame or your fears you need to be very discerning very careful about who you share with because remember I'm gonna put it out there I'm looking for connection and now because remember shame is the fear of rejection so if I speak it and I'm rejected again, now it's just going to get bigger and bigger. So there are two sides to that. 
I'm going to be careful about who I share with. I saw an interview with Brene Brown recently, and she is the sociologist who studies shame. I cannot fathom studying shame for 10 years because I've been in it for a few months and I'm ready to move on to something fun like entitlement. Um, and so, I, I mean, anything looks fun. And, and yet she's done it for years. I think the reason she is able to do it for years is because she sees life change. I think you can stay in that place when you genuinely believe that your research is helping people. And I have heard the stories, and now I've experienced it myself. That's the only thing I can figure because I personally, I mean, cheers to her and her capacity for studying shame for 10 years. We're all happy about it. I have no idea where I was going with that. I said I saw an interview with her. Oh, what was she saying? Oh, my gosh, it was such a relevant point. I'm sure it'll come back if it's really great. Um, so... When we are sharing, we have to be very careful about who we share with. And then, Oh, I know it. There you go. Uh, she said that sometimes we look like at pictures, and certainly if we look at social media, we say all these girls' night out, girls' trips, and think, oh, that girl has 10 people that she could share with. She says, no, no, no. You are very fortunate if you have one, maybe two. Maybe three. Like in an extremely blessed situation, you would have three. So don't be thinking you're going to find, you know, oh, I'm so excited. I have 48 friends I could share this with. You know what? You may need to raise the bar, okay? But what she said, there are different responses. And so I picked out a few that I think I'm going to tell you my weakness when someone shares with me. I'm going to give you four ways you should not respond and then I'll give you the way that they're looking. Because when someone shares, what they're seeking is connection. See, because that shame, that embarrassment, whatever it is, it is creating separation. We said, remember, that that shame says, I am alone, I'm the only one. And so when we speak it, and we bring it out into the light, what we really want is a connection with someone. Someone to say, you're not alone, you're not the only one. So what happens sometimes, if someone shares something difficult or hurt with me, then I immediately want to make them happy. And so I become, number one, the wrong way to respond, the cheerleader. Someone tells me, I'm really struggling with my husband. Um, this is what I did. It was terrible. I totally responded wrong. And I go, it's not that bad. You're exaggerating. You guys are okay. You are going to be okay. You're, it's not that bad. And, and guess what that is? That is even more isolating because now I've said, I'm not willing to go to that dark place with you. And not only that, you're exaggerating about that dark place. I now create more isolation. So we have an opportunity to connect or to separate. And when you become the cheerleader, you separate. Okay, so cheerleader, not so good. Next one, gambler. The gambler one-ups the situation. I made a horrible parenting mistake. You think that's bad. Wait till you hear what I did today. You see, the gambler says, I'll see your situation and raise you one. And so the cheerleader, just as bad, creates separation. The gambler also creates separation because I wasn't listening. I was just trying to make them feel better. And so the next one is the fixer. So you've got the cheerleader, the gambler, and the fixer. The fixer. Well, this is simple. This is all you need to do. Boom. I gave you a solution. Move on. What now? And see, when someone is putting their heart out there, they don't want to be fixed immediately. 
And, and so sometimes, though, we respond with a, a simple solution. And that makes them feel, number one, belittled. Like, really? You didn't think I already thought about that solution? And so we, we, we need to be aware in how we respond. You also need to be aware when you are always going back to those friends who are fixers, gamblers, or cheerleaders. And the next one is the blamer. The cheerleader, the gambler, the fixer, and the blamer. What's his name? I'll take care of it. I'm sure it was that teacher's fault. Well, yeah. And so you immediately, instead of just listening, you begin to blame every person in the situation. Now, this is really important when we talk about our children. When your child comes to you after a hard day, honey, she's mean. You know why she's mean? Because her mom is mean too. And so we are trying to fix the situation, and all we did was make it worse. And so what do we really need to do? What is the appropriate response? It is not the cheerleader, the gambler, the fixer, or the blamer. It is the empathizer. It is the empathizer. What people need is to make a connection. All you have to do is listen and listen. For some of us, that's hard. Listen and then say, I'm so sorry. What you're saying to them is, I value that you've just shared that with me. And I may not have experienced exactly the same thing, but I'm willing to go to that dark place with you. I know it's a big deal to you. Now, in your mind, you're thinking, seriously? But it's a big deal to them. You are building into their lives. You are creating trust between the two of you. And you are there to empathize they have given you a treasure by sharing that with you now it's my choice to increase the shame or decrease the shame and to decrease the shame I empathize I listen and I put value there when it comes to our children we have an opportunity here I've told you that trust is so important when it comes to discipline because rules without relationship builds resentment but rules with relationship build respect. And that's what I need from my children. So the relationship part of discipline is so important. So therefore, when my children come to me from the youngest ages and they are crying or they have had a bad day at school or they have had a fight with their sibling, whatever it is, I listen, I pray for wisdom, discernment, and common sense, and then I empathize. I'm sorry that happened. I get it. You are upset. How can I help? That's it. What we don't want to do, you know what the blamer does? It creates this sympathy hound because we don't want, you all know those sympathy seekers. They go to every group, every group, and they're just like, my life is so much harder than everybody else's. Nobody gets me. They've created isolation because when someone shares with them, they're like, oh, my life is so much worse. They're sympathy seekers. What I want is a child who can identify those emotions, sadness, hurt, fear, um, worry, anger. I want a child who can identify that and then can express, process, and overcome those emotions. So what I want to do is I want to validate it, but I don't want to feed it. Does that make sense? So it's a fine line, guys. 
I want to do that with all my relationships. I want to validate it, but I don't want to feed it. Don't want to belittle it. Don't want to feed it. And so that requires wisdom, discernment, and common sense. But we have to learn to extend kindness and grace. And sometimes we do it well, and sometimes we don't. Um, So we have... Now, let's see, we have the courage, we practice kindness and grace, we develop self-awareness, now you've got to do the work. As important as self-awareness is to beginning the process of getting stronger and getting better, that's just the beginning because now you've got to do the work. The thing about fear and shame is you've got to be willing to dig deep. And sometimes I don't want to dig deep because if I dig any deeper, that means I'm going to have to change something. And that is not something I like to do. That's not fun for me. And so I'd rather not do it. But if I want strong children, if I want to be the best mom I can be, then I have to be willing to do the work. Doing the work diminishes the shame. If you struggle with parenting shame, if you struggle with mom guilt, if you live there, then you go, okay, today... I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to implement a plan. I am going to work on the relationship today with my child. We are just going to go to the park and have fun. Doing the work diminishes the shame. It's, not, it's always going to rear its ugly head at some time, but when you're working toward getting better, you recognize that the shame is now backing up. I feel the same way. Um, actually, I was talking to Emily about... Um, Uh, the body shame stuff and so I when Emily and her friends when I was studying all this this summer I said what do you guys think about it since you guys are that generation um, about you know emotional resilience and emotional strength and she said you know what mom remember when I did whole 30 and I said yes and she had done whole 30 I guess it was a year and a half ago she said mom when I was doing whole 30 I felt great about how I looked she goes it's not that I looked any different I think it was just because I was doing something to get healthier. So look at that. Just doing the work changes your posture. Your body may not look completely different, but doing the work changes your posture. We can empower our children to walk with strength and dignity when we say, okay, are you doing the work? Are you doing the work to walk with strength and dignity? Particularly if you have girls. Moms, I'm going to say this about body image. Don't say a word about what you look like in your swimsuit. Not a word. Don't say a word about what you look like in your jeans. Don't say a word about what someone else looks like. You may think, well, I've never said anything about me, and I've certainly, I've always built my daughter up. I've always told her she looks fabulous. But guess what else they hear? They hear what you say about other people. Good grief, did you see how much weight she's gained? Good grief, did you see how she, she had no business wearing that dress. Maybe it's even people on TV. She had no, when we do this, we're teaching our girls to be aware of that. We're teaching our girls body image issues. You see, just don't say a word. Don't say a word. When um, Emily was in fifth grade, we did a mother-daughter camp out with the elementary school. And I had about 20 girls 
they were all fifth graders, and so we hosted it, their mothers, and then we hosted it for the whole school. And so I had a meeting with all the moms before. I said, you will do the rope swing. You will jump on the blob. You will, because girls don't see moms try new things. They don't see it enough. And so, and you won't say a word about what you look like in your swimsuit. So we all came to an agreement. Well, it was amazing what the girls learned from moms of every different body type walking around and not saying a word about what they looked like. They were seeing strong women. This is a major, major pet peeve of mine. When we, when we teach our girls um, to uh, notice not just what they look like, but what others look like. When we teach our boys to notice what others look like. It, it's just, it, it's a discipline. We can take responsibility and we can change the body image shame. If we are intentional, don't say anything about what you look like. Don't say anything about what anybody else looks like. Sorry, that was a little bit of a detour, but I feel pretty strongly about it. Okay, let me see. Where was I? Do the work. Oh, that's what I was saying. You can actually kill two birds with one stone. Sometimes this feels overwhelming to me. Um, I'm like, gee whiz, I'm trying to be the best mom I can, and now I've got to do all this other stuff too. Here's the deal. Your children learn most by watching you. So if I want to raise children who know how to work, I work. If I want to raise children who take responsibility, then I take responsibility. If I want my children to walk with a posture of strength and dignity, then I walk with a posture of strength and dignity. And so if you're overwhelmed and you're, not, you're thinking, I don't know if I can teach this, then just do it. Then just you be who God created you to be, and they will drink from your overflow. But it's so important, that self-awareness, and looking at it critically if you're going to get better. Um, when your children see you hurt and recover, they develop emotional resilience because they think, oh, I can hurt and recover. When your children see you express an emotion and then overcome it, they learn how to express an emotion and overcome it. So self-awareness followed by doing the work and being intentional. It's a big deal. It's not a small thing, guys, but you can do it. It's just developing that self-awareness. Um, now, finally, strengthen your relationships. So you're kind, you're gracious, you do the work, and you strengthen your relationships. Strength and dignity um, are an overflow of the relationships in our lives. And so your primary relationship is with God. Secondary is your spouse. And third, your friends. We gave some very practical ways to improve your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your friends. That was two weeks ago. I'm curious if anyone has done it. Because we can give you all the information that we study and we prepare, but you have to take responsibility and make the changes necessary. We said that often how we feel determines how we think, and then that determines how we act and the choices we make. But also, sometimes if we're feeling and thinking fear and shame, we can change the way we act and reverse that cycle. So there are very practical things. In your marriage, do you connect daily, date weekly, 
retreat annually. Those are pretty simple. Connect daily, date weekly, retreat annually. Your relationship with God. Do you start your day with a couple of minutes of focusing on a truth from his word? and Or maybe a prayer. Stop. Focus your thoughts. Be intentional. Where will I choose to set my mind today? I will choose to focus on truth. I take responsibility for my mental health, my emotional health, and my children benefit from the overflow of that. Fear and shame are feelings. They can dictate how you think and how you behave, or you can choose to reverse it, change your actions, and then the fear and shame will will go aside. It makes a big difference. Um, I want to close with just a couple of reminders. God picked you and positioned you. You are enough. God picked you and positioned you. You are enough. Settle that in your mind. Meditate on that. God chose me for this family. God positioned me right here, right now. My life has taken an unexpected turn. It's not unexpected to God. This is not the life that I set out to live. It's not a surprise to God. Wherever you find yourself today, God is right there with you. God picked you and positioned you. You are exactly the mother your children need. Now, you're going to have to dig deep. You're going to have to develop self-awareness. You're going to have to work on your relationships. But he will give you what you need and he will fill in the gaps where you fall short. I have three verses that I sometimes have to choose to meditate on over and over. So I think they could be of value to you as well. For we are God's masterpiece. Everyone say God's masterpiece. masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. I want to stop with Romans 8, 37 and 39. This is a great verse for you to memorize and to teach your children. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Everyone say, more than conquerors. conquerors. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a conqueror. You are strong. You can walk with strength and dignity. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Through him. It's not your strength, it's his. He's already deemed you worthy to walk with dignity. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Will be able to separate. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You remember how shame makes me feel separated? Shame makes me feel isolated? I know truth here. I'm never separated. I'm never isolated. I've already been deemed worthy from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have to grasp that truth. I want it so bad for you. I want it so bad for your children. 
But you rest in these truths. You are more than a conqueror because of what Jesus did for you. You will never be separated from his love. You may feel isolated right now. You may feel shame. It may be so deep that you're not willing to peel back that lid yet. I'm going to encourage you. Find a counselor. Talk to your husband. Talk to your best friend. Peel it back because shame cannot live in the light. Speak it. And it requires courage to speak it. It's speaking your mind with all of your heart. But I want my children, your children, to be able to feel any emotion and not be ashamed of that emotion. I want them to learn how to identify, express, process, and overcome those emotions. We want a generation of kids who turn into young adults, who are emotionally resilient, who have emotional stamina, emotional strength. And it starts with us moms. We can do it. We got to have courage. We got to dig deep, but we can do it. I want to remind you to be, to remember the gambler, the fixer, the cheerleader, all those, and be aware, particularly those of you who are going to small group in just a minute, and think, I want to be the empathizer. I want to extend kindness and grace. I want to be the safe place. I may not understand what everybody's going through, but I'm willing to go to that dark place. And we can teach our children to be empathizers too. And that makes them more emotionally resilient, stronger. And that's what we're all about. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these truths. I thank you for moms who are willing to dig deep, to find the courage they need to raise kids who are strong, who know that you love them, you deem them worthy. God, help us see it in ourselves so that we can pass that on to our children. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.